Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast series, Through the Bible in a Year, where we come together for daily reading and reflection as we journey through the scriptures. Let's dive into today's episode with Pastor Chris Miller. Hello and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast in our Through the Bible in a Year reading program. Today is day number 42, um, and the day we come to our memory verse, one day every week, we take a memory verse, we memorize it, and we expand on it, and that's what we're doing today. Today, our memory verse is Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, which says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Of course, those are the words of Jesus. And there is a lot of context surrounding this verse to talk about to help us better understand what's going on here and build a platform as to why we want to memorize this verse and make it part of who we are. The context involves some prophecy, uh, some of which has already taken place, some of which is yet to come, which uh, presents its own set of challenges. There's two different things uh, that Jesus is answering in this passage. And of course, we are asking the question, why should we memorize these verses? the application part of memorization, because, I mean, really, if there's not a reason to memorize it, why would we do it? And so we're trying to answer that question as we go through these verses each week. And there are many questions to answer and a fair amount of ground to cover in a relatively short time involving this passage. A lot of things happen here, a lot of things that Jesus talks about. And in this passage, one of the things that Jesus discusses are the signs of his second coming. And there are several things to take into account as we look at this chapter and work our way towards our memory verse to today. Jesus discusses some events that are future at the time that he is discussing them, but they are in the past for us now. And he also speaks about some things, prophesies about some things, foretells some things that are in the future at the time and still in the future today. Hopefully that's not too confusing and we can clear that up as we go forward through this. Now, another factor to consider as we look at this passage is that we understand Jesus as the Messiah, as the savior of the world. And our understanding is different from how the people he is currently speaking to understand him as the Savior and Messiah. Now, you know, after his resurrection, all that's going to come together. But at this point in time, the people Jesus is speaking to don't understand him quite in the same way that we do. Now, before his resurrection, people understood Jesus as someone who would rescue the Jewish people from the Roman Empire and set up an earthly kingdom. However, looking back on his ministry and resurrection, we understand him as much more than that. He's all sufficient uh, sacrifice for sin. He is our Lord and Savior. And if you are doing the reading, which I very much hope you are, you read this passage this past week, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter again, but what I'm going to do is give you a fairly thorough recap of this entire chapter. The chapter begins with Jesus leaving the temple in Jerusalem with his disciples. He's had another negative interaction with the Pharisees. This is only a few days before his crucifixion. 
And his public teaching ministry is pretty much over at this point. It's come to an end. It's wrapped up. And the disciples point out the buildings of the temple to Jesus, which seems kind of like a strange thing to do because that's where they were just coming from. Jesus has certainly seen these buildings before. But I think what's happening is that the disciples are attempting to say, hey, look at these great buildings in an attempt to take his mind off things. Maybe cheer Jesus up a little bit. He's had a negative interaction. He's been saying some things recently that sound a bit strange to them. And in answer to that attempt, Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple. He, they say, hey, look at these buildings. And you know what seems to be an attempt to put him in a better mood. And he tells them not one stone will left, be left upon another. It will be completely thrown down. So their attempt to encourage Jesus was met with that, which may seem a little odd to them, of course. And that leads them to ask Jesus two questions. And they move on to the Mount of Olives. And in private, they ask Jesus, when will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed? And they also ask him a second question. When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So in this discourse, it's often called the Olivet Discourse um, through this chapter, Jesus is addressing two questions. When will the temple be destroyed? And when he is coming back? Now, Jesus, you know, he says this, the temple's going to be destroyed. Not one stone's going to be left upon another. And his prediction of the temple's destruction became a reality in 70 AD, following a Jewish rebellion, which was in the future at the time Jesus said it. It was prophetic at the time. Um, just as a, a point of trivia, this is actually the second destruction of the temple. I think it was 586 BC that the Babylonians destroyed the temple. Um, if that's not the correct date, I'm sure somebody out there knows what it is, but I'm pretty sure that's right. But Jesus doesn't go immediately to the answer of these questions. You know, when's the temple going to be destroyed and when his return is going to take place? First, before he answers these questions, he warns about things that do not indicate or portend his return and the end of the age. Jesus warns them not to be deceived by false messiahs. He says, many will come in his name claiming, I am the Christ. There will be those who claim to be Jesus or claim to be the Messiah. And Jesus says, they will deceive many. And Jesus also says, you'll hear about wars. You'll hear about rumors of wars, nations rising against nation, famines, epidemics, earthquakes in different places. And he said, these things are just the beginning of birth pains. Remember, he's answering two separate questions here. When will the temple be destroyed? And when will he return? So the things he talks about throughout those chapter, the things he says apply to one of those things or the other. And regarding what Jesus says, it can be challenging to a degree to sort out what he is saying and which event it applies to. Now, here's something else to understand. Okay, the Jews, disciples asked Jesus two questions. When will the temple be destroyed and when will he return? And again, they don't understand Jesus just like we do just yet. They understand that Jesus would go away. They knew he was going away, but they didn't know exactly what that meant or how that was going to happen. They don't understand it in the same way that we do. A day or two before this, 
in John chapter 14. This is the same week that this takes place. And Jesus told them he was going away to prepare a place for them. So they know that he is leaving. They know he's going to go somewhere, but they don't understand that in the same way we do. We know about his crucifixion. We know about his resurrection. We know that he ascended to heaven. They don't know that yet. They don't understand these things just yet. And maybe they thought he needed to spend some time on his own, spend some time in prayer, maybe raise an army to overthrow the Romans, and then and then he would come back. I don't really know what they were thinking. That's all just speculation on my part. But when they talk about the return of Jesus, I'm pretty certain they don't see it um, in the same way that we do today. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the persecution that believers will face being hated by all nations for his namesake. And Jesus says that many will turn away from their faith, betray each other and hate each other and false prophets will deceive people and all these terrible things are going to happen. He says that love, the love of many will grow cold and iniquity will abound. And you know all of these things have happened over the past 2,000 years. They're happening currently. They're going to continue to happen until Jesus comes back. In verse six, Jesus says, see that you are not troubled for all these things must happen, but the end is not yet. So what Jesus is saying when he talks about all these different things, wars, rumors of wars, epidemics, all these, he's saying that these things are not an indicator of my return. So don't interpret it that way. And he also says in verse 13, 13, that he who endures to the end shall be saved. And you know, most commentators skip this verse. It's a bit of a I don't know. I suppose there's a lot of uh, differences of opinion about what this means. Maybe it's a bit ambiguous, but I think what Jesus is talking about is people whose love does not go cold, people whom false messiahs do not deceive are the people who are going to endure to the end. People who do the things that saved people do. Sometimes I think we can read verse 13 and feel like it's a bit of an indictment or a threat. Like if you don't, you know, endure properly or do things right, you're out of God's kingdom. But I think this is more of an encouragement. Stand firm, stick with your faith. There'll be a time when all the problems are going to end and you will be saved. All that's going to happen. And Jesus says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will Come. So wars, earthquakes, pandemics, those are not indicators of the return of Jesus, but the gospel being preached to all nations is. And in the world today, I think we're getting probably close to that with internet and our means of communications. We're doing that more and more. Jesus then talks about the abomination of desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. Now, an abomination is something that causes nausea. In this case, it's it's a moral or religious nausea, not so much like food. And in uh, reference to that, there was, I believe it was a Roman commander, I can't remember his name, but he was who erected a statue of Zeus on the altar in the temple. There were, uh, the Roman army was there. They made sacrifices to idols when they uh, destroyed the temple, which is, would fit well with what Jesus says. And I think that when Jesus talks about the abomination of desolation, he's talking about the destruction of the temple and you know the, the, the Roman army that would be there, the uh, Roman commanders that would be there and all of that, which is past tense for you and me. 
And he talks about the great distress and horror that comes along with that abomination of desolation. He says, to let those in Judea flee to the mountains and warns of the incredible hardships that they will face. And, you know, those things happened. All of those things did happen. And then, as I interpret this, Jesus shifts to answering the question about his return, which is still prophetic for us today because he hasn't come back yet. And he, again, in regards to his return, warns of false messiahs who will perform great signs and wonders and tells his disciples to be on guard. They're not who they say they are. And Jesus states that immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Verse 27 says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, I think a very important thing everyone can take away from this is that when Jesus returns, there will be no question about it. There will be no doubt about it. What is happening will be clear. And Jesus goes on later in this chapter and uh, the next chapter as well, teaching that we should be prepared for the time when he does return. Now, if you're his follower, the return is Jesus is something you think about, something you'd like to, to know, when's that gonna happen? I would like to know when that's gonna happen. When is Jesus gonna come back? And Jesus answers that question of when he will return using the example of a fig tree. He says, just as people know that summer is near, when its branches become tender and its leaves come out, so also when they see all these things, they will know that he is near right at the door. And he makes a statement that this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened, but that no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father of when Jesus will return. Now, this doesn't mean that the people who are alive at the time of Jesus wouldn't die before the return of Jesus. It means that like seeing a fig tree sprout leaves in the spring, knowing that summer's near, nearness, um, nearness means that everything necessary for God's plan of redemption would, would occur in their generation. Everything, yeah, everything necessary for God's plan of redemption is gonna happen in their generation. It's in that age, the age that we're still in, that Jesus is going to turn. You know, and everything did happen in that generation that, uh, was necessary for God's plan of redemption. And that points us to the cross. And then this is where we come to our memory verse for today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now we'll come back to that in just a minute. And then Jesus says, no one knows that day or the time, not even the angels in heaven, but only his father. And that is his answer as to when he will return. We can look for signs. We have everything we need to understand what Jesus wants us to understand. Everything has been accomplished that needs to be accomplished before his return. And the disciples, like us, have an enduring desire to know when Jesus will return. And Jesus knows that in that knowledge, he says, no one knows exactly 
when that will be except the Father. Jesus knows that we want to know, but he says, no one knows exactly except the Father. But he also emphasizes the need for watchfulness. And in doing so, he compares his return, his coming to the days of Noah. Everyone's going to is going about the business and doing their thing and no one is aware of what is about to happen until the flood comes. Then Jesus continues on with the theme of being watchful, being ready, being aware and doing what you know you should be doing until he returns. And he even goes into that in the next chapter. So back to our memory verse today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Why this verse? Why commit it to memory and make it part of who we are? Now, it's obvious that we know some things. We can learn some things about the return of Jesus. There are things that are signs of that. There are things that are not signs of that. There are some things we know. The exact date, we don't know. There are many things that we don't know. Many things are in a state of flux in the world today. There are many things that are in a constant state of change. Like we talked about last week, culture is changing. Language is changing. Today, people are struggling to share common definitions. They're struggling to share uh, the same understandings. And without common shared definitions and understanding, it's very difficult to communicate. And society has many struggles right now. There is uh, this thing happening where men and women often view each other as enemies rather than people working together as a team. I see that online all the time now. People are uh, men and women see each other as enemies. You know, no one trusts Anybody, no one trusts authority figures, no one trusts politicians, nobody trusts pastors. Unfortunately, it makes my job more difficult. And you can dig around, maybe do a search if you're interested on um, fake pictures, AI-generated pictures. You know, there's a picture of uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden being buddy-buddy floating around. That one's pretty good. But those are all fake images that are generated by AI. You can Google that stuff and check it out for yourself. But... All of this fake imagery that can be made to look quite real brings to my mind the time when the other disciples told Thomas they had seen Jesus after his resurrection. And Thomas said, unless I can see the nail marks in his hands and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. You know, Thomas says, unless I can see it, I won't believe it. Now, you and I live in a time when we have to be skeptical even of what we see. And sometimes I feel like we're living in the modern day Tower of Babel. Our language is confused. We even have to be skeptical of what we see and we have to be skeptical of what we hear. And it seems no one is trustworthy and no one knows what's true. No one knows what to believe. But at the same time, this is very similar to what Jesus is talking about with his disciples. It's a similar conversation. They say, hey, look at these beautiful buildings, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, those are all going to be torn down. And that's confusing for them. A few days earlier when Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And we don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There are going to be people claiming to be me who are not me, says Jesus. There's going to be destruction, problems, tribulations, people who are lying, things changing, people coming and going. Every, and, and amongst all of that, everyone is just going about their business like nothing is happening, completely ignorant of what is to come. And well, that's the world we're living in. That's the world that we've been living in for quite some time. And it seems like everything's incoherent. You can't believe or trust anything. 
the only significant difference I think between you know the time Jesus is saying this and now is technology. So in a world like that, where it seems there's just no stable footing to stand on, where where do you find stability? Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Things come and go. Everything else may be chaos, but the words of Christ are certain. Heaven and earth will pass away before the words of Jesus. Not just before them, but his words will not pass away. And think of it like this. And this might be something you can do the next time you're stressed, worried, confused, anxious, whatever it might be. You can do this today. You can go outside. I don't know if you've got a concrete walkway you can stand on. Go find the most solid thing that you can stand on, the most uh, permanent, solid thing you can find. Stand on it, touch it, whatever you need to do. Whatever that is, that will pass away before the words of Jesus. In the words of Jesus, well, it's not only that they, that thing will pass away before the words of Jesus. Jesus' words won't pass away. They're more solid and reliable than whatever that most solid permanent thing you can think of is. And what Jesus says in this verse must be a foundational part of your life as a believer. It undergirds everything else in the rest of this passage and in the rest of the Bible. When you are confused, worried, distraught, yeah, whatever it may be, this is what you can believe. This is what you can trust. This is what you can rest in, lean into. What Jesus says is always true. And truth doesn't change, regardless of what people think. They've been trying to discredit it forever and to with zero success. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks about it, including you and me. It's true. And we can even lie to ourselves about that, but that doesn't mean that it changes. It doesn't mean that what someone believes will ever change a single thing about a single word of what Jesus has said. Lean into that, hang on to that, believe that, even in dark times. This passage, these verses, as we read them, you know, a lot of times this kind of stuff makes people nervous and anxious and worried and concerned. But I would say, suggest, don't approach these verses as something to worry about, something to be afraid of. Heaven and earth passing away are not something to be afraid of. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of. All that stuff, contrary to scripture, all the confusion in the world, that's all going to go away. All things will be made new. And you can trust Jesus more than you can trust the ground under your feet. That's going to happen. That will happen. And that's where you find comfort and peace as a believer. Of course, you know, stay busy. Live in your life as a follower of Jesus. But at the same time, rest in the knowledge that what Jesus says is true and reliable and nothing can or will change that. And it was only... A day or two before this, we're really close to the crucifixion of Jesus in this passage, but it was only a day or two before this. In John 14, I think maybe our passage today happens on a Wednesday or Thursday, and then John 14, I think, happens maybe on a Tuesday, when Jesus told his disciples that he was going away to prepare a place for them. Remember, they knew he was going away. And Jesus said to his disciples, you know where I'm going and you know the way, but they're, they're confused about that and by what he means and why he's going away. You know, they're confused. 
It's like, as like I say all the time, it's easier for us because we have hindsight. But when Jesus says this, you know, I'm, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And Thomas is the one with the courage to say what everybody else is thinking. And he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answers Thomas with John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it's likely they think Jesus is going some physical place like we talked about earlier. And they're looking for, you know, directions how to get there. Take a right turn here, follow this road, whatever. But Jesus is talking about eternity with him in his father's house. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So there's no way to get to the father except through Jesus. And that's more reliable than the ground that you're standing on. Now, depending on which side of that you're on, that can bring peace. If you know Jesus, if you trusted Christ as your savior, well, you can rest in that. You can have peace in that, knowing that's true. It's always will be true. And that the day's coming when, yeah, sure, heaven and earth are gonna pass away, but the words of Jesus will always remain true and you will be in heaven with him for eternity. Or there's the other side of that, where if you don't believe what Jesus says and you don't trust him, well, you're in trouble. But you can know that the way to the Father is not through your own effort, not through your own endurance, not through trying to be good enough, but through Jesus. And I encourage you to place your faith and your trust in him. And you can do that right now. Recognize that I'm sinful. I need a savior. I'm separated from God. But Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood paid the price for my sin. And when you turn to him in faith, and confess sin and accept that free gift that Jesus offers of salvation. You'll spend eternity in heaven with him. And I hope to see you there someday. Well, that's our message for today. And I look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today on the PC Speaking Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Through the Bible in a Year. If you have found this helpful, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. It is our hope and prayer that every episode helps enrich your relationship with God and His Word. Even if the drums start beating, my soul